Welcome. You are listening to the Mindful Minute, meditations created for everyday joy. I'm Meryl Arnett, mama, meditator, and head of mindfulness for Shoreline Meditation App. This podcast is recorded from my live Monday night meditation class, where we have a brief discussion followed by a 20-minute guided meditation. If these meditations support you and your practice, please consider donating to the show to support its continued growth, new offerings, and its ever-expanding team. You can find the link in today's show notes or simply visit merylarnett.com and click on podcast. All right, y'all, let's practice. Welcome, my friends, to the Mindful Minute. I have got such a fun interview for you to listen to today. You are going to want to get comfy for this amazing, uplifting conversation. And as you think about getting comfy, I want to thank Mindful and Modern for being such an incredible sponsor of this podcast. They make beautiful and comfortable seats for meditation, whether it's a cushion set, a kneeling bench, or a chair. If your meditation seat needs an upgrade, be sure to visit mindfulandmodern.com and use code MINDFULMINUTE10 to save 10% on your new seat. All right, so today you get to meet my cousin. (laughs) I am so, so happy to get to share this conversation with you as the finale of our Living in a Divided World series. My cousin Uli, her creative work, including her upcoming new book, have been one of the few things that have really provided me personally with a sense of connection and hope as we have worked our way through the pandemic. Uli Boitor-Cohen is a New York City-based documentarian, artist, and the creator of the Subway Book Review. She explores belonging to a time and place through writing and photography. Uli's a sought-after speaker and panelist. Her work has been featured on TV, print, and online in places like New York Magazine, Esquire, Forbes, and Oprah. For nearly a decade, Uli has ridden the subway through New York City to observe, interview, and photograph some of its most imaginative people, the readers of books. Between the Lines, Uli's new book, is the remarkable result of this work, a collection of conversations that beautifully illuminate who we are and where we're going. Between the Lines is an enthusiastic celebration of the way stories invite us into each other's lives and a call to action for imagining a bold, empathetic future together. We have spent all month together talking about how our meditation practice can support us in this moment that feels fraught with division. Today, we'll wrap up that series with a conversation of Uli and an invitation to use story as another mechanism for healing. Uli Boiter-Cohen, hello, my friend. Hello, Meryl. It's so good to be here with you. Do we disclose to your listeners what our relationship status is? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, it's a trip. So Uli is married to my cousin. And yeah, like our circles just magically overlapped in this incredible professional way that I would never have guessed would have happened. 
Never. The family's going to flip out. It's going to be such a big topic over Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I'm so excited that, you know, we get to share a little bit of our lives that we don't normally get to share. Normally where Uli is in New York, I'm down in Atlanta. We don't see each other that often. And so when we do, it's family catch up. And now we get to talk about stuff that we don't usually have time to talk about. And I'm thrilled. It's perfect. I'm so happy to be on the mindful minute with you. I'm so happy to get to talk to you. And I want to, I kind of want to dive into the deep end instead of doing some of the superficial stuff. Yeah, let's not fluff. Let's okay. go deep. Yes. Let's go deep. So, Subway Book Review, in all honesty, has been one of the very few things that have provided a sense of connection and even hope for me in the last year and a half. And listeners will, I have said this like three times, I have referenced Subway Book Review. And listeners have also spent the last month with me working through a meditation series on divisiveness and like feeling exactly what we're facing in the world today. And I feel like I could not have asked for a more beautiful person and conversation to come into our lives at this moment to talk about your work. And, and, you know, I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth, but to me, it's work of connection. Um, and I want, I want to hear about how this became your work. Yes. That's a large question because, you know, I've been doing this for seven years. And um, before that, I had a long history as a storyteller, but you're absolutely right. It's work that um, is aimed at creating connection. You know, I'm officially called a documentarian, I would call myself a healer. That is really the the position that I hope to embody and what I aim to, the service, the community service that I aim to provide is healing. So how do, how do I say this succinctly? I think, you know, I came to this country as an other to, uh, to, to some degree because I immigrated from Germany by the age of 20 with two suitcases by myself. And when I say that I came as an other you know, Germany is a privileged country, of course. I had really grappled with my identity in Germany because I have Transylvanian grandparents um, who were refugees during World War II and had really had a hard time finding my roots in Germany to some degree. And so I came here with this, you know, as this German Transylvanian confused person who also had a big dream. And my dream was to actually be in front of the camera. And my very first acting teacher squashed that hardcore. Mr. Torelli, I do still love you. So don't go after him. We do love Mr. Torelli because you know what? I actually think it was because he was very, very, he was a very short man. We can say this. We're among us. We're among friends. Mr. Torelli was a very short man. And so I have a hunch that his dreams had been squashed previously. Anyway, so this acting teacher was like, with your thick accent and your thick German thighs, you're never going to make it in America, in the entertainment industry. And I thought, well, then let me try anyway. And after I was the horse in Equus one too many times and got no speaking roles, I decided to switch um, majors and I enrolled in film school. And there I had a really phenomenal documentary teacher, Courtney Herman, who is a queer woman and very much encouraged us to consider others in our storytelling. 
And so that was really formative, I would say, having that experience and having a teacher who really challenged us and who really wanted us to not stay inside of our boxes and color within the lines, but to rather go outside and to see whose stories were not being told. And when I met your cousin, Alec, my dearest love, who is from New York in Portland, Oregon, we met in film school. It just, you know, after a good chunk of time there, it just drew us back to the to a bigger pond where we could have greater challenges. And boy, did New York City deliver so many challenges. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. But, um, but here I then quickly rooted in that challenge to find other people's stories and to discover worlds that I don't know anything about by speaking to readers on the subway. And that's how Subway Book Review was born. That is amazing. And it's, you know, when I think of your work, I think of, uh, forgive me if this is so cliche, but I think of the Brene Brown quote, that people are hard to hate up close, move in. And I see that in your work. I mean, here you are every day. And now you have people in other cities too that are moving in closer. And it is providing such a sense of connection when I think so much of the media that we're intaking right now is providing that sense of disconnection and othering. So talk to me about what it's like. What is it like to just talk to strangers, (laughs) to move in closer? It's of course fantastic. And I want to say, and I think you'll dig this and your audience will dig this. I will answer your question in just a second, but I want to intersect by saying I was listening to, I really love listening to guided meditations. And um, in one of those guided meditations, the prompt was to imagine yourself going down a street and to, first of all, lift your eyes from your phone and from the concrete and to actually look up at eye level and then to discover who you were sharing actual space with and to really see the people that you were encountering in your local space. And then to imagine that these people were your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, and to really make them your family members. Get a little choked up when I talk about this because that that really, that meditation kind of hit me at the right time because I had been running around the underground and I had been hitting people up for their stories and you know, there was a bit of a feeling of, oh, am I like exploiting their perspectives? Am I doing it right? And then I thought, you know what? This meditation just kind of hit me at the right time. And this imagination of meeting family members, which really we are, right? We're the human family. If we approach each other from that level, you can have difficulties with a family member. You can disagree with a family member, but you're inherently bound together. And that is what I try to focus on. I'm not trying to focus on what differences I have to overcome. I focus on the love that we can find. And of course, that's why I speak to readers, because there is a built-in bond, which is the love for books. I also have never met a reader I don't like. Readers are fabulous people. They're insightful. They're critical thinkers. They're empathetic. They understand that not just one reality exists. They're multidimensional thinkers. So 
that to me was kind of a no-brainer, you know? And uh, I also knew I wasn't a street photographer who was going to go snap fashion. Uh, no shade against that. I love street photography in all of its facets, but the conversation aspect is very important to me and being able to connect with someone on a very direct level where I truly approach them and I'm not, quote unquote, sneaking a photo and then to also engage them in the editorial process and to really let them have a voice in what is being said about them and to let them pick their photo. All of those things are really important in my work. And I think that shows. It really does show. It really does. And there's a line in your um, written bio that really jumped out at me. I'm going to read it so I get it completely right. Okay. So it says, she, meaning you, explores belonging to a time and a place through writing and photography. And that so jumped out at me, exploring belonging to a time and a place. And I think woven in that is belonging to each other, right? That's what we see in your work. Absolutely. Well, we first have to understand, to me, it's kind of like a a ripple effect. We first have to understand how we belong to ourselves and what our connection to ourselves is. And then from that place, we can understand how we connect to other people. And then from that place, we can understand how we belong to the space that we inhabit at this moment in time. And then from that place, we can see ourselves in the context of time. To me, that is how you create an intact experience of what it means to be human. You can try to skip a step or two. But I really, truly don't believe that you will have the same sense of belonging if you do. And the more you make that intact, I believe the more what we call happiness arises or being at peace or feeling like you have purpose. So that is really what allows you to then apply yourself, right, in the greater sense to all these different things, to other people, to your community, and to this moment in time. And let's be real. You know, this moment in time is very fleeting. Human life has the lifespan of a fruit fly. We're not here very long. We're very, very, we think we're these long organism, long living organisms. We're just really not. And that's not to create a sense of doom. That is to create a sense of saying, who cares? Don't judge how you choose to apply yourself. As long as it serves the community and it serves other people, go for it. Don't hesitate. Don't even blink an eye. If you believe that you should be talking to strangers on the subway, go for it. If you believe that you should be quilting your ancestors' stories, go for it. If you want to paint uh, the life cycle of a tree, go for it. Like Whatever it is that you believe connects you, to this life, go for it. So you have to recap what you just said, these steps of belonging to self all the way through, because it's unbelievably concise and important and so wise. So say it again, tell people the steps. Okay, here are the steps. Here's the step-by-step finding purpose. Yes, according go. to me. <laughs> Repeat. <laughs> okay. Well, I believe that first you have to connect to yourself. You have to understand how you belong to yourself. That, of course, is connected to a lot of inner child work, right? I don't know if we have time to get into that in detail, but that's what that means. Figure out how you belong to yourself from that place. Figure out how you 
belong to other people and how you connect with other people. From that place, figure out what that means for your local space. And I say local space because the digital space is cool and it's jazzy and that's where a lot of cool likes and comments are. But your local community is super majorly important because that is where you have a direct, energetic, physical presence that is either harmful or beneficial every single day. And then from the time that you connect to your community, you can then create context for yourself in the larger sense of history and in the larger sense of time. Was that a good step-by-step? That is an amazing step-by-step. Okay. And you know, I, it's interesting because as you're talking, I don't know that I ever would have put it together in that particular way. But one of the things I spend a lot of time teaching and reflecting on and practicing in my own life is how important within a meditation practice it is that we start with ourselves and everybody wants to skip it. Me too. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I need to go out in the world and quote unquote help. And we're missing the foundation. And I just love the way that you linked it together so clearly outside of meditation. It's the same inside of the practice. We start with ourselves and that's the place we move forward from. Yep. You're the navel, you know, you're the node, you're the anchor. Your being is what gives you meaning to everything outside of yourself. And so that is critical to have a relationship with. And I totally agree. It's a difficult relationship to begin. For a lot of us, it's a difficult relationship to maintain. It's a difficult relationship to let thrive because how many of us are addicted, like worse than a sugar alcohol addiction to negative self-talk and negative behavior. It's a, you know, it's the hardest relationship in life that we're given to figure out. But once we figure it out, the entire world is ours because we will understand how we will do the least harm to it and how we will bring the most joy to it. That, I mean, and that to me is just like what I believe life is about. You can feel free to disagree. If you know, if joy is not your goal, don't do these steps. It will lead you to joy. Do not follow abort this mission. Don't engage. Um, Uli, do you have any, you, you mentioned that you love guided meditations. What is your personal reflective restorative practice for you? Oh, it's wild, Meryl. It's, <laughs> it depends on the day. I had a very strong, I went very strong with a yoga meditation practice in the, uh, when the pandemic was at full force and would do that first thing in the morning. Um, my anxiety tends to be highest in the morning, and that's the trickiest time of the day that I have. I'm, you know, I'm up between anytime 6 to 7.30, and my anxieties, they are ready to ride me. So I had to figure out what a good time was to calm my thoughts and to create energy versus, versus waste energy. Um, and so that was for me the early morning, but then things got a little too overwhelming with my mental health and I had to find some other avenues. And I also got very busy promoting this beautiful book that I wrote that came, that comes out um, in October. And so now it's a little bit all over the place right now. My meditation practice mostly takes place in the evening and I kind of have it drift off to something beautiful. I love that. I love that. So tell us 
about your book. The book is called Between the Lines, Stories from the Underground. She's a Scorpio girl. I'm holding it up into the camera for, for Meryl to see on Zoom. We're on Zoom right now. Yeah, she's a Scorpio. She has a yellow cover. It is a collection of 170 stories. A lot of them have never been published before. So if you'd love Subway Book Review, I made this for you because you get to meet so many new people and the interviews go into a lot more depth. Um, it's also a chaptered experience. So you may find yourself reading a chapter called Trees or Matriarchs or Legacy. And I wanted to do that to create a bit of an evolution from SBR and to let people also experience what I experience on the subway, which is that often these stories lead into each other and people inadvertently hand each other the mic or someone will tell me a story and days before I've met someone whose story, of course, relates to theirs. So that's what the Between the Lines experience is like. And yes, it comes out October 26th, but you can order it now. And pre-orders are so majorly important to books. They make or break an author. It sounds terrible, but it's true. So if anyone considers an order, now is a gorgeous time. Of course, with an indie bookstore too. And there will be links in the show notes for all of you. I already have mine on pre-order. I cannot wait to hold it in my hands. And the early reviews are jaw-dropping. I mean, they're beautiful and so positive. And so many of them speak to a timely, like, this is what we need in this moment. Why, why is this what we need, Uli? Why now? Yeah, I mean, I think um getting a little verklempt right now because this is not something that I have, this book is not something that I have created by myself. This book is something that I have channeled into existence together with spirit and the universe. And I say that very succinctly because I'm a huge tarot reader. I believe in energy healing. Um, I also engage in psychedelic experiences because I believe in mind expansion. And uh, I'm a big tarot reader. And so I have asked uh, Spirit what needs to be told at this time. And this is what came to me. And the title came to me very quickly. I knew it needed to be called Between the Lions because that's the unspoken, right? That's also where the surprise lies. That's also where the wonder lies. That's where the guard is down because it's unexpected. And that's where we can create magic together. And I think that's what we need at this moment in time is to rediscover each other as a wonder, because that is what we are meant to be for each other, is a wonder, not something that is intended to harm you, to take you down, to destroy you, even though many people are acting in that way. And can those people be saved? I don't know. Do we need to continue to extend them our good faith? Ugh, I don't want to. Um, and I don't think, honestly, that that's where our energy needs to flow. I think at this moment in time, we don't need to attempt to convert the inconvertible. I think at this moment in time, we need to find the other people who want to heal together. And we need to band together. And then we need to understand that we're actually the majority. And then from that place, we built the new world together. Yes, girl. Keep going. So good. And it's, you know, one of the things that I think is so easy for us to overlook is that we're not alone. Right. And I, I mean that for every single listener out there, we're not, a, we're not alone in how we're feeling. We're not alone in how we're thinking. These are common 
common traits that humanity shares. And it doesn't matter if you're the details of the experience matter, but they don't make it exclusive to only you. And I think that remembering that we do belong to each other and that we're not alone is one of the ways that we maintain hope in really difficult times. Absolutely, that we can maintain hope, but then also we get to see the collective in the larger sense of, again, you know, who is living with you at the same moment in time is very important because we also have this understanding and feel that humans are this superior uh, organism in the world. And I think that when we can come together and we, first of all, can make peace with each other, then we can also make peace with this idea of what we're actually doing to mother nature and what we're creating um, as a biological entity and as a biological collective. But we can't even go there. We can't even think about that before we understand who we're living with. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, how on earth? Like, you hear the climate news, you hear the absolute depressing, horrible doom that is coming our way pretty much for granted. And it's like, how are we ever going to tackle that if we can't even pull together for each other? How are we as a people going to take care of other organisms that we are not supreme to? You know, so the getting together as humans is step one. It's such a basic thing. It's such a non-challenge. You know what I mean? Like, it's such a given and we can't even do that. It's kind of ridiculous. It's shameful to be honest. I'm ashamed on behalf of myself and all of us. And I say that though with the greatest love and with the greatest empathy because we're already in paradise. We're already in heaven and we can't see it and we can't figure it out. We cannot see it and we can't figure it out. And that's our greatest challenge as people. That's what humans are here. That's our little backpack full of garbage that we're carrying with us every day. But guess what? You can take it off. You do not have to carry that backpack full of garbage. You can literally take it off right now and say, I'm going to approach this differently. Let me see my fellow humans. Let me see the collective that I'm part of. And then let me understand what my organism and my fellow organisms are actually enacting on the larger system. It feels daunting, but it's so worthwhile. We've got to do it. we got to do it. And the way that you are inviting us to do it is to listen to stories. You know, I mean, this is, it does sound so daunting. It sounds so overwhelming. And that's that ability to lean in towards people is not something most of us have been taught ever. And one way to start is listen to stories, other people's stories right? Yes, absolutely. And not just other people's stories, but what other people are into and digging, you know, like someone might tell you uh, about a book and that's why I speak to randos because that's where all the nourishment lies and all of the surprise and all of the unexpected delight is that I might speak to someone who tells me that a mushroom was just discovered that eats plastic. True fact, by the way. Cool. Which is so amazing. You know what I mean? None of my friends have told me this before because let's face it, a lot of us are in Brooklyn. A lot of us vibe on the same stuff. You know, we might talk about mushrooms. We might talk about a psychedelic mushroom, but 
you know, they're not, this is what I mean. There's such a variety of information out there and there is such a variety of things that are incredibly exciting and that are, that are stories of hope. And we absolutely need to exchange with each other because that plastic eating mushroom is cool as hell. Like I'm so happy it exists. And so, yes, we need stories that other people tell us about themselves, but also about their discoveries. Right. So that then we can say, oh, amazing. Like, let me find out how I can maybe use that in my life. Or maybe I can make a donation to that research project. Or, you know, maybe it just sparks. Oh, right, 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 right. Buy less plastic. Right, 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 right. Like all of those are great things. And would you ever have had that idea sparked in your head if you hadn't talked to the person who read about the plastic eating mushroom? Maybe not. Maybe yes, because you're a cool person. You love mushroom eating. <laughs> who eats a mushroom who eats plastic too? But you know what I mean. It's amazing. Um, I want to take a little pivot in the conversation because one of my very favorite things to talk about is the intersection of, you know, I call it mindfulness, but any form of wakefulness of being conscious and creativity. And you are an incredibly creative person. You're creating every single day. And so I wonder if you talk to us a little bit about what feeds you creatively, what inspires you, where you where you get your like little boost of joy and inspiration from. My my good juju, yeah. I totally get my inspiration and have multiple muses that I that I visit. I'm a triple water sign, so my main source of inspiration is always going to be water. And I know this about myself. It can be, it needs to be different bodies of water at different times. Uh, sometimes it needs to be a ferocious river. Other times it needs to be an ocean. Different bodies of water have different purposes for me. Sometimes it needs to be a lake that lays very still. So bodies of water, huge, huge critical source of inspiration and also a, are also a muse to me. And then I would say um, nature all around. Fort Green Park, man, is such a gigantic staple in my weekly life. I visit it often. I will sit in it to um, just observe and just take in what's growing, uh, what animals are inhabiting it, which animals are new to it, which animals are staples. Uh, which people I see continually, or maybe someone I've never seen before. Um, I'll read tarot there. Tarot reading is a huge source of inspiration and affirmation for me. And then I also love to really look outward and to get a literal planetary view. Alec Cohen gave me a telescope um, because I've been using his little childhood telescope that we found in one of the rooms in his childhood home. And it was so dusty and you could barely look out of it. And we tried to clean it and it was still so dusty, but, and it has no gigantic capacity, but we could see the moon at least. So we've been working with that thing for a couple of years now. And then I just got like a very legit telescope last Christmas and was in heaven. I'm in heaven with this telescope because I think it's really fantastic to just kind of look into the universe and be like, oh yeah, right. Very small, very small spec here. Correct. So much out there, so many possibilities, so much that has existed for millions of years. And uh, that 
things will just go on and that chaos is just part of life. And I mean, looking into the universe will give you everything. It will give you absolute existential dread and it will give you absolute fantastical experiences. It gives you both. So those those things are really clutch to me. And then I do ride the subway like other people do yoga or meditate because I will go on it. This is especially true before the pandemic. And the subway is this huge space of meditation for me and of coming home and coming to myself because it's this beautiful thing that only moves forward. It never goes backwards. And it is on a good day, almost church-like, where it can be packed in a subway car with hundreds of people, but it's quiet and you could hear a needle drop on the other end of that subway car. And it has a very oceanic flow, you know, in that um, you're on that ride and it loops and it loops and it loops forever. And at this point, I've ridden every train line front to back. And there are many days where I get on it with no destination in mind. And I just ride it for five hours and I see who crosses my way. And that is so, love that, you know? Like that's when all the good things happen. That's when all the magic can find me. That's when the best stories come my way. So yeah, those are some places in New York City that are really dear to my heart. I love that. So much jumps out at me from that. Um, And so I'm going to start by saying like how, it is amazing to me that we ended up in the same family because literally every day, like, how am I getting into nature? How am I connecting to that source to be able to move forward? I use Oracle and divination cards every single day. I mean, girl, we're related. And that practice of riding, the, of getting on the subway and saying, I'm just going to sit here for hours is such a, pra- you know, it's, when I go, when I go from, I'm going to hike right after this. So this, I'm going to go do my little hike in nature, and I walk along a river, and I go to this one particular spot. There's a rock. I sit on the rock and I meditate, and I don't set a timer. I close my eyes. I sit there, and I wait until I feel like I got to get back and go do the thing, and then I make myself stay longer because it's only then that I get the goodness. Mm-hmm. Right. We have that, like, I'm going to go do this thing and then I'm going to jump right back into my writing or work or whatever. But it's sitting for five hours. I mean, I'm not saying you got to meditate for five hours, but you get that first inkling to get up. You got to stay longer. Yeah. A thousand percent. And I think what you're speaking about that I really vibe with is intuition because that is also how I find all my people that I need to be speaking with. And um, the subway will tell me when I need to transfer. And I do it very to other people, probably erratically, where I'll be on a train forever. And then suddenly I'll go jump from one train to the next, to the next, to the next. And then the person will stand in front of me at the right time. And I'm like, oh, right. This is who I was supposed to meet. So that's why Mm. I had to transfer, you know, 50 times in a row to get here to this moment. And I mean that very, um, I really mean that because there was one time when I did such a crazy transfer and I jumped off and I had just spoken to someone on the train and I, and I had to cut the conversation very short and take a very fast picture because I was like, I have to get off at the next stop. And it was very clear to me and they were game and we got it done and it was beautiful. And I was like, oh yeah, that was a beautiful conversation. And then got off at the stop and a woman walks right up to me and says, oh my God, you're Uli. You actually went to school with my cousin, Allison. 
And I said, yes, Alison Clare. Of course, I remember her. She was a fashion designer. She did costumes for one of my films 1,500 years ago, but she's such a beautiful person. Of course, I remember her. And uh, Rebecca is the woman who approached me, said, oh, well, and you talk to people about books. I actually have one with me. Could I tell you about it? And I said, yes, a thousand percent, Rebecca, let's go. And she told me that it was a book she was reading with a man who is her pen pal, who has a life sentence in prison, and they have been engaged as pen pals. They only write about books. They had been at that point for a year and a half. And getting to choose the book that they're reading together is one of the only choices and one of the only freedoms that he has in prison. And it was a book by a Native American author, an indigenous author. And I just thought that that was, that was so amazing that that program existed. And we spoke about her agency and how having this relationship with him so intimately connected over stories made her realize how much agency she had in her own life and that she would literally be writing him a letter from the sky while she was flying while he was confined to a cell. And the reason that that was so phenomenal was that the day before, maybe two days before, give me some slack here, a couple days before, I had spoken to a young man um, named Jeffrey Z, who is a photographer, really amazing photographer, um, also in the book community. Um, under Books for the Wise. You can find him on Instagram. He's amazing. And what I didn't know about Jeffrey Z is that he had been booked for the possession of weed and had been given many months in prison. Most of those he had to spend in solitary confinement. And as a young Black man with that kind of record, you can imagine that life is hard for him at this point in time, but he's also, and he had just been fired from a job. And when I spoke to him, but he told me that books are, he said, if someone had sent me a book to prison, it would have changed my life. And so speaking to Jeffrey Z, days before I spoke to Rebecca, almost was like, there was some almost kind of like human karmic redemption happening. Do you know what I mean? Where I was like, this is remarkable that now I know that these programs exist, that you can be a pen pal with someone in prison, um, which to my, I have to admit, I didn't know, I hadn't thought about it, but it wasn't something that I, that was on my mind because it wasn't part of my everyday life. So that's what I mean by stumbling across these people who entrust me with their life and what, al what that allows me to do by channeling these stories and something and Jeffrey and Rebecca, their stories are both in the book um, in between the lines. So you haven't seen them yet on Subway Book Review because I haven't published them yet. And um, that's, you know, yeah, that it's it blows your mind. It blew my mind. It really does. It really does. And I think that it highlights so beautifully exactly what you're expressing with your book is this almost woven tapestry of stories, right? And they can be singular, disparate stories, but really they're related. Really our stories are related. They always are, one way or another. One way or another, if we like it or not. We are we are all one. We're in this together, thousand percent. Uli, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to share with us? Well, Meryl, you know I have to ask you, what are you reading? 
Oh man, I this is horrible. I'm reading, which I never do. I should say I never do, except I started doing this in the pandemic and haven't stopped. I'm reading multiple books at once. That's not horrible. That's amazing. I, I don't I don't like it because I feel like I I like to just sit with a book and like take the whole thing in. But lately I'm reading a lot of random things. So I'm in the middle of reading Brain Weaver by Dr. Andrew Newberg, who's going to be on the podcast later as well. So it's about like brain health. It's amazing. And and he's a neurotheologist. So he studies like what your brain does in spiritual experience which I, it was like fascinating to me. So I'm reading Brain Weaver. I am reading Ancestral Healing. Daniel Four, I think is the author, but I have been doing a deep dive into ancestry. So I'm reading that. Those two are a little heavier. And then for pure joy, as I head to the beach next week, I'm rereading A Discovery of Witches because it's completely fun to me. <laughs> You sound amazing. Listen, there's no right or wrong way to read. Sometimes we have to listen to an audiobook, which I mean to me that's listening, that's not reading. I'm a little bit of a I'm a little bit of a, you know, anal person or don't judge me. But same, same. Audiobooks are amazing. Sometimes we need to get, you know, a podcast, sometimes get our stories from a podcast, from a radio show, from a blog, from a book, from an audiobook, whatever gets us there is amazing. I think that we can't judge ourselves for how we create these connections to other people's stories and also doing multitasking stories. Oh my God, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. I also multi-read oftentimes. And I think that's fantastic. I think there's no shame in the reading game. You know, I think what's fun about it is the interesting thing for me is just like we were just talking about, I end up seeing these threads. These are totally unrelated books. They have nothing to do with one another. One is like random fiction about witches and vampires. One is about brain science. And one is about like ancestral healing and experiences. And there's so much that I'm like, oh, these these tie together. This I'm reading them together because they mean this to me specifically in this moment. It's unbelievable. It's your context. Yeah. You're the node. You're the navel. We talked about this. There you go. It's all, it's all crystal clear to us. Uh, (laughs) No, I think that makes perfect sense. And it makes perfect sense that they feel all like very connected books to you based on who you are and what you're into and what you're exploring and the journey that you're on. So good. Uli, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to chat with me. The book, the link to buy it from all the indie bookstores will be in the show notes. You can follow Uli at Subway Book Review. Where else can people find you? You can find me at the UBC on Instagram and at subwaybookreview.co. Okay. Thank you, my friend. Meryl, thank you. This was a pleasure. Thanks for stretching my brain and my mind with me. I loved it. Me too. Thanks. Thanks for listening to The Mindful Minute. If you're enjoying these episodes, please consider leaving me a review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps others to find this show. To learn more about my live classes, virtual meditation retreats, my meditation app, Shoreline, or to make a donation to the show, please visit MerylArnett.com. Thanks again. I'll see you next week.